Welcome, 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 Earth Sky Woman community. This is a, an astrology forecast for the week of May 25th through 30th, 2020. And today it's going to be all about Venus. You know, I keep talking about, I keep mentioning that I'm going to be getting to this and I'm going to be talking about Venus. And today is the day. So I have actually been in a, a, a long a love affair with the planet Venus now since about 2010 when I first learned about her cycle. She has this gorgeous, intricate, 584 and a half day cycle, a repeating cycle uh, that is just exquisite to connect to, to understand, and to begin to also relate to our own personal lives as Earth Sky women and as you know, the whole family of life connected to the Venus mysteries. So we are this week, the, the biggest happening astrologically really is all about Venus. Other than Venus, there aren't uh, major aspects to speak of. This is um, kind of this moment, this threshold moment in the Venus cycle where she is completing one cycle and beginning another cycle. So just um, to speak into who Venus is, what, what are we talking about when we're talking about Venus? Why is she so incredibly important? And just to kind of put her into perspective, when you think about the ancient timekeepers, the astrologers, um, historically, the two brightest celestial objects in the sky, the sun and the moon, of course, are absolutely primary. Whether you're looking at them um, as, you know, as we would do now, as we would look at in a personal natal chart, whether you're a person in Neolithic times, building a stone circle like Stonehenge that aligns to the solar or the lunar cycles across you know, every year, or in the case of the moon's nodes, the moon cycles every 19, almost 19 years. Um, the sun and the moon are the guiding, um, the guiding lights, the, the most fundamental primal energies that we connect to when we're, we begin to work with the sky mysteries in modern day. And they are also, they have been the underpinning, um, kind of the foundation that you work with as a sky watcher, as a sky keeper historically. Um, and the third celestial object in the sky that from my perspective would have been, would have been integrated as an essential aspect of, of what it means to be in connection with um, the sky mysteries would have been Venus because she is the third brightest object in the sky. Now, there are many who would say that Venus um, is the sister to the earth. That's one of the ways to understand her. And I remember when I first started working with Venus in 2010, really deeply, that I, I was really, I was dreaming with each of the planets and the stars. And um, I was just connecting to what information, what insight came through when I would work with um, the different activations of the moon, of the sun, of the different planets, of the stars, and Venus. And what came through for me at one point when I was just really listening, I was listening in and just kind of asking, I was getting into this good rhythm of call and response, connecting into the mysteries of Venus and what, who, who she is, what the energies are connected to her as a celestial body, and um, what she was helping me understand is that she is so important to work with. She's so vital to work with because she is a mirror. She's a mirror for us here on the earth. She is, the, the planet Venus is very similar to the earth in many ways. She is 
about the same size. She's comprised of many of the same minerals and many of the same elements. And she, she, um, so she is very much like us. And yet one of the big differences is that she spins in the opposite direction, which actually is a really incredibly important thing to understand for Venus. Um, that's something I might get to at a later time. In any case, um, across Mesoamerica, Venus was incredibly important as Quetzalcoatl. Across many other cultures, Venus was seen as uh, the feminine principle. She was many of the goddesses historically from Al-Usa, um, to whom Mecca was originally dedicated. She was, was um, Venus, all the way down to, Yolong, to the Yolongu, Yolongu, I hope I'm saying that correctly, tribe down in um, with the Aboriginal peoples down in Australia, that they saw Venus Morning Star as Barnum Beer, who was the goddess who created the song lines across the earth. And um, so Venus was incredibly important to within that culture, to the Cherokee. She was um, also quite important um, and pretty much within any culture that had um, any kind of earth-based culture that also had the strong sky component, Venus would have been incredibly, incredibly important. So we are, as of, okay, so, so basically just to understand the way the Venus cycle works, there's so much more to this. And I should just say right full stop, if you want to understand more about how the Venus cycle works, understand as well, I'm going to be sharing with you a link at the end of this, you know, when you look at the information for the podcast, about Venus alchemy. If I were to say what my specialization is in astrology, it's definitely connected to the Venus cycle because since 2010, I've been doing really deep work, um, initiatory work, mystery school level work with Venus and her cycles. And since 2014, I've been partnering up with Kaylin Castell, the co-founder of Shamanic Astrology Mystery School. And we created Venus alchemy where we take often about 80 to 100 women and men through the Venus cycle as an initiation. So just to know that I can only cover so much today, of course, because there's so much rich insight and information to understand about Venus. But for the moment, for right now, what's essential to understand is that um, we are in the threshold at the ending and the beginning of a Venus cycle. Now, something to understand is that different current day astrological astrologers and astrological systems will perceive of the beginning and the ending of the cycle in different ways. Most modern day astrologers will perceive of the beginning of the cycle as the moment when Venus in her, it's usually called inferior conjunction with the sun, which is to say that she's crossing between the earth and the sun. Um, when that happens, and it's a very short window of time, it's on average about eight days, Many astrologers, would they, you, we refer to that as the Kazemi, when you've got a planet that's right with the sun, and that would be seen as the seed point or the beginning point of a new cycle. Now, within the shamanic astrology paradigm and also the Venus alchemy paradigm, we see the cycle as beginning um, when Venus rises as morning star a few days after that conjunction with the sun. So... This is important because the reason we see that as the initiation as the cycle of the cycle is because that is historically how ancient peoples would have perceived in many cases the beginning of the cycle. And so we're trying to honor the, um, the traditions of those cultures that have had the most um, living dynamic relationship with the sky 
and really just wanting to honor that moment when we first see Venus as morning star beginning the cycle. So we, we can't know for sure, um, but based on a traditional 10 degree orb, meaning that when Venus is about 10 degrees away from the sun and she's approaching, you know, the moving between the earth and the sun. So she's lining up so that she's almost like a little, it's like an activation of the sun. She's crossing the face, you could say the face of the sun, except that she's gonna be above or below. So we won't see her crossing the face of the sun. Most times that only happens about twice in a century. Um, when she's in inferior, and we call it interior conjunction within the shamanic astrology paradigm. Um, it's when she's within 10 degrees, that's when she typically disappears from view. So we can no longer see her in the evening sky and we can no longer see her in the morning sky. So as of May 28th, so this weekend, Venus is going to, on Friday, Venus is going to be within 10 degrees of the sun. Um, and so this would be the moment where we would say, okay, she's, she's moving into this other phase this kind of phase of her cycle where she's gonna be disappearing for many across the globe. And then she's going to separate from the sun and be about 10 degrees up, um, on the other, uh, 10 degrees away from the sun, again, moving out of that relationship to the sun by June 9th. So this is a really mysterious threshold cycle where Venus has been in the evening sky now for over eight months. Venus has been in the evening sky ostensibly since um, around the fall equinox of September 20, um, 2019, last year. And so she's been an evening star and she's been brighter and brighter and more glorious and more beautiful in the last, um, the last month. And now she's gonna be disappearing into the, the beams of the sun and then around June 9th, she's going to become visible in the morning sky. So this is a really magical time visibly. And in some of these cycles, it only takes about four days. So if you can imagine, if you're at an, an early, you know, a person of a traditional culture where you see this thing happen, where you're observing Venus in the night sky, you know, they don't have TV, they don't have anything like that. Observing what's happening in the sky is a big deal. Plus their skies were much darker. If you can imagine seeing this beautiful, bright, luminous planet in the West setting in the evening sky for over eight months, and then all of a sudden within four days, she, she disappears, and then all of a sudden you see her in the morning sky, that's a pretty spectacular shift. And that is the threshold that we're in right now. So just feel how that is in your body. How does that feel to go from, okay, we're evening star, now we're morning star. <laughs> it's an enormous energetic shift. And Venus, again, represents the feminine principle um, within many cultures. And I would you know, say that that is, um, we've experienced that as being very accurate within the Venus alchemy experience. Um, and so, um, so understand first at the most basic level that the deepest transformation is happening in this liminal threshold space between the, approximately the 28th and the 9th of June. Now also understand that Venus is currently out of bounds. She has been out of bounds since April, April 2nd, and she is moving so she, until June 1st. What that means is that in relationship to the orbit of the sun, 
Venus, like any of the other planets, will tend to be um, outside of that orbit. She'll be kind of, you could say, above or below that line that the, the sun is traveling. So she's going to be either more closely tethered or more wildly far apart from where the sun is traveling. And when she's at her furthest from the sun, which is when you're really going to see her the most bright and the most vivid in the sky, as we've been seeing her, uh, we refer to that as out of bounds. So that's the feminine divine just in this just territory that's just wild, that's out there, that is unprecedented. She's, she's discovering and learning new, um, new insights from these realms beyond what we currently can perceive or know. Um, and so, you know, the goddess, you could say, is she is in this zone of possibility of wild, creative um, insight gathering. And I should say, too, that she's been in the sign of Gemini now for some time. And so if you think about Venus and Gemini, it's the feminine principle who is, she is the messenger. She is the storyteller. She is the divine muse. She is the trickster. She has a, a deep connection to language, to words, to prayer making, to storytelling, to the songstress mysteries. Um, and so she has been gathering information for us to bring down an end to the world. So she's been out there <laughs> in a lot of ways. And so I would say, when I say she has been out there, I will say the feminine dimension of each of us has been kind of out there in this wild new territory. And so if you felt in some ways like, wow, where the heck are we? This is a very strange time. Um, you know, I don't really know what, what's going on. I, it doesn't, you know, it feels like time outside of time. Well, that's, you know, because of all the Neptune activations that I talked about last week, but it's also very much because Venus is in this most mysterious of her cycles. Now, Venus and Venus alchemy, we break down the Venus cycle into four main phases. Morning star, what we refer to as the Inanna underworld phase, which is about two months, and that's when she's on the other side of the sun. And evening star phase, and then this phase we're in right now, which we refer to as the metamorphic goddess underworld or the metamorphic underworld. And it's in this phase that Venus, when she is shifting from one cycle to a new cycle, we would say that, just to back up for a second, understand every Venus cycle is presided over by a particular feminine archetype. So another way to understand it, that is that every Venus cycle represents a certain archetype or a certain way of, you know, a certain goddess, you could say, who is on the world stage, who is going through this really deep process of um, death and a renewal process. But generally, she is the feminine principle who's really right out there on the world stage, in the spotlight, evolving in the world around us, in the culture around us. So. For the last, to put it into perspective, since November 1st of 2018, Venus has been in this very interesting cycle. It's a Libra cycle because she rose as morning star in the sign of Libra, arguably. Um, however, there are many astrologers who would say that this is a Scorpio Venus cycle. Now, Kaylin and I have felt as if this is a larger Libra Venus cycle. However, we, so it's the beginning one. It's the first Libra cycle in 155 years. 
So this is very new, fresh energy. Uh, however, there's still, we're coming out of 100 years of Scorpio Venus cycles um, that have been occurring in the same season every eight years. And that's a lot of information, but again, Venus alchemy, if you want to learn more about this, I'll share more there. But just to know that this, this cycle is kind of a melding of the Libra and the Scorpio um, goddess has been on the world stage for the last year and a half. And so just to focus a little bit on that. So collectively, we've all been going through this Venus cycle. We've all been doing, a Venus cycle is always going to feature a death and a rebirth of some form. Um, and so it's a descent process. You know, the feminine is all about bringing energy down and in for some purpose. And so there's this, this deeper um, meeting of the self. There's a, a letting go process. And then there's a complete death and rebirth. And then there's a rebuilding process that's featured in the, the Venus cycle. Uh, but this one, Kaylin and I have been kind of, and I see this as, as calling forth the future. We've been, um, we've been calling in the Libra mysteries a little bit early, <laughs> but it feels like it's still, it's very alive and vibrant. Um, so over the last year and a half, we have been beginning as a human culture, as a community, to be doing the deep work of Libra, which is all about personal, primary partnership, relationship. Um, so how does the feminine, how does the relational feminine operate in the world? And so that's what our meditation and all of our Venus alchemy work over the last year and a half has been, is this deeper meditation of what has happened to kind of the vulnerable relational feminine, the Libra feminine, what has been her experience over the last 5,000 years of patriarchy? How does that live inside of each of us? How is it that we are needing to um, come into right relationship in the most fundamental domains of our lives? So the way that's often showed up for people is that there's been a lot over the last year and a half of shifting and changing and evolution around our primary bonds, our primary partnerships. And so, you know, I'll just speak for myself that when Venus was in the underworld, I met my love. And we've been doing a tremendous amount of personal work um, over since, since August 24th, when we really came together, when Venus and Mars were conjunct in the underworld. And much of that has had to do with me. And actually, this was true even at the beginning of the cycle. What I've kept coming back home to myself personally, and I think this is true for many of us, is that this cycle, um, and especially right now this week is like the culmination of this entire one and a half year cycle for me it has been about establishing doing the most the, the deepest work around my most primal bond which is my bond with myself um, for those of you who are like me who maybe um, have had the early experience of where the core wound has a lot to do with self-identity or a cultivation of ego or the self in a strong, grounded way, this might also be your work, where it, also, it often has to do with continuing to need to do the deep inner bonding, the inner mothering, to continue to do all the work that's needed to um, constellate the self in a really conscious way, where the shadow experience would be to continually abandon the self 
um, when we become close to another human being, when we're in the context of intimacy, especially with um, a, a primary partner. And so for those of us for whom that's the core wound is having a hard time holding sovereignty in the, in the presence of another, a lot of the work over this last year and a half has been about continuing to come back home to the self, continuing to perceive the places where you want to split off and leave yourself when you are in intimate connection with other. Or for example, if you're having a conflict with another person, if your needs appear to be different from what another person's needs are, do you abandon yourself? Do you, um, do you find a way to speak to your needs and honor the other person's needs and find something that is, that is appropriate for both of you? This is the kind of fundamental work that's been unfolding over the last year and a half. And so, you know, again, for myself, wow, it has been, I've been doing so much potent work around learning to hold myself and stand in my own sovereignty in the context of relationship, in some contexts that are way more challenging than anything I've ever put myself in since, since childhood, really. So for me, it's been this fierce, this fierce cauldron of, of how to, let's be blunt, I will be blunt, of how to heal the people pleaser inside of me, the, the dimension of myself that really um, has had a hard time standing in my own ground and showing up and letting go of patterns of hiding, hiding out, and really showing up um, in inner congruence and coherency in relationship with others. So this has been the big, big theme for those of us who are doing the work. You, you might say the work, we might be more sky people often, not always, but if we're an out of balance sky person, someone who tends to live more in, our, in the cerebral, in our minds, doing work that is more the life of the mind itself, or even that and spirit, then it may be that for many of us, the work has been again to come home to do more of the earth work the soul work the deep work the meeting ourselves work and also the um the work of community the work of learning to be courageous enough to put ourselves in more situations where we're being asked to cultivate intimacy with others and i mean true intimacy so we actually have to show up so other people are going to call us out so that we're gonna to have to overcome some of our fear of saying what our true needs are and expressing those needs, and also trying to find a place to, um, of compassion for the places where our needs and the needs of others might appear different. Um, learning practical negotiation skills might come from that too. But the key thing here is that, um, again, those of us who might be wounded in the sky realms, we might be needing to meet ourselves more deeply and um, come into relationship from a place of greater empowerment. Uh, some of us in these, in these times have been, you know, we're pretty good in our sense of the self. And so we might have found ourselves in relationships where it's just the relationship itself is actually helping us learn more about who we are. And we are refining kind of our capacities. Maybe we're in a long-term relationship or marriage that's working really beautifully, but we've just had some bumps and Clearly, for anyone listening, there's plenty of change that we've been going through. And so it's, it's really asking the question, again, at a more refined level, who, you know, how do I express myself in my sovereignty? And I mean, truly unfold as this 
in my authenticity, shine my light, explore the paths unfolding ahead of me that feel full of life, full of possibility, that feel aligned with my soul calling. How do I do these things? And also honor that those I'm in closest partnership with, you know, that, that our relationship needs to be tended to as well. So this, this is a rich, rich territory over the last um, year and a half that has been uh, really primary. And so now what I would say about that too is that, you know, I've been talking so much. I talk about Earth Sky Woman. I talk about the emerging eco-sapien. What all of this has to do with is um, really is about honoring that we are in this moment on our planet where we are needing to, um, we're really needing to weave our comprehension of, uh, weave our human culture back into the fabric of Gaia intelligence in a conscious way. We're needing to learn to um, see ourselves once again as part of this garden of life here on earth and co-create with Gaia and as we had once done, but it, even at a different octave. So part of that is really, you know, I look at Libra and what Libra is really about and what we're really doing in this Libra Venus cycle, which again, we've got this week where we can do even deeper, more potent, more incredible work around it, is we have been beginning to understand more clearly what is our ecosystem. Um, so what is the world that you find yourself in now and what is the world that you find yourself wanting to co-create with others? And then within that ecosystem, and this might be your current, the, the physical land that you find yourself on, your immediate family, your immediate partnerships, the people in your, your um, sheltered in place pod that you're finding are the people that you're really wanting to create the future together with. It might be, um, you know, wh whatever it is, what your current ecosystem is, what your current domain is, you have a role or you have a niche in that ecosystem. And so many of us, what we're actually doing is we are discovering more of what our role is, what our niche is, and what our proper ecosystem is. Some of, our, some of us have found ourselves to be in an ecosystem which is actively hostile to our core nature. And this might be a habit. It might be that we're accustomed to trying to bend ourselves into shapes that other people approve of, but that don't actually suit who we authentically and genuinely um, are, are, are kind of in our core essence and who it is that our soul is wanting to fully express in this lifetime. Of course, that's an unfolding thing. I get that. So in any case, but, but if we find ourselves in situations where we feel like we need to continually dim our lights or abandon parts of ourselves, then right now it's going to be an incredibly intense moment where we're asking, okay, well, this isn't my ecosystem. And even if I might feel like I'm a little bit stuck here right now, or, you know, that this is something where I'm needing to even more urgently identify my proper ecosystem, my, the terrain, the domain, the territory that I belong to. And um, so so, and that doesn't mean that the ecosystem you're in or the domain or the territory or the, where you find yourself now, even if it's, it, it may be that it's, it's perfectly amazing for your soul. And in many cases, that's so. Um, wherever we find ourselves right now, there's deep, profound soul work to be done. Um, so it might be difficult whether or not it's something that our soul really wants to continue in. Uh, however, the, the, the question is more, 
I mean, I think a fundamental question really is, can I shine my light here in this context? Can I truly shine my light, be who I am, and can that be received? But even more so, you're never going to know that until you do actively shine your light, until you do actively show up, until you do actively be who you are. And that's one of the big pieces right now, interesting for Libra, is to be precisely who you are. And I mean by that, just really show up and be willing to be honest, be genuine, be truly um, in the authenticity of, of what feels true for you. And, um, and then to see if those people in your field, in your, in your, in your current life, um, can celebrate that with you, if they can support that in some fashion. Um, that's, that's important, you know, even if they can't always celebrate it, if it's in contrast, contrast to who they are, or it feels as if it's in contrast to who you've been, if you've been overly accommodating, you're still going to feel some of that sensation of an energetic where there is, they're not blocking it, they're not actively blocking it, there, there is a, an opening, there's the experience of um, a welcoming of who you truly are in your essence. So that is a requirement now. With everything that we're facing and reworlding and creating a new world together, there, it's a requirement that we be finding, um, we be finding our people, we be finding our territory, our context where we want to thrive. So, and to take heart, if you haven't quite found that yet, um, the universe is absolutely conspiring to support us in turning toward what nourishes us, turning towards what strengthens us, turning towards what provides us with just the conditions to help us strengthen ourselves <clears throat> and help us to fully deliver who we are in the world. And again, sometimes it may feel maybe there are challenges because it's a perfect context for you to strengthen yourself in a way that you're needing to strengthen yourself. So in any case, so we're finding our role in the ecosystem. So when I say our role, what I mean is, um, you know, what, what's my niche? What is my gift? What am I here to give? How does that show up? And, you know, I spoke in a couple of podcasts ago about how I've been really kind of obsessing over reinvigorating my permaculture design mind. And the way I'm doing that is by working with Heather Jo Flores. She, she cultivated the Permaculture Guild, Women's Permaculture Guild program. She has her own website. She has three free classes. And I'm going to recommend, I'm going to do a shameless, I'm going to actually interview her soon, but already I think it's so important. She's got three free courses that are about finding your eco niche, um, also developing a practice, a daily practice. And then the third one has to do with emotional um, permaculture design. So these three free courses, which you can give some donation for, and I recommend that you do, I know I did, can help you begin to cultivate permaculture mind and a mindset and a way of designing your life. Um, and it starts with zone one, which is me, which is you, which is, you know, we are earth, we are our bodies, our lives, our own territory, our own domain is where we need to start. And so I've been doing those courses and I'm really excited about them. And the first things she asks in these courses are, what is your niche? So I'm just like, yes, that's a perfect question for Libra. And um, so, you know, what is in your work, in your world? Who are you? How do you want to show up? And not only how have you done it already so far, but where do you shine? Where do you come alive? Where is it that you can see yourself 
beginning to stretch into new territory, perhaps. It might be something quite different than what you've done in the past, or it might be returning like me to something that you've done in the past that you've stepped away from, recovering a part of yourself that you haven't fully developed yet, but you sense has tremendous amount of juice and potentiality for you. And now I'm going to stop for a second and just say, one of the premises of Earth Sky Woman is this. It's not always about continuing to do what comes naturally for us necessarily um, or what we are in the habit of doing. If we tend to be very comfortable in the sky realms, as, as I do, for example, um, with the work that I do, which becomes very cerebral and very spirit oriented, I love it. It's for me to honor that. It's for me to love that. It's for me to strengthen that. It's for me to stand in that. It's for me to shine in that. It's for me to, if I'm not surrounded currently by humans who get it and who, who understand it and who I can be in conversation with around those things, it is to gather those people around me virtually or otherwise to strengthen what is my strength, right? So my sky self is developed and I need to continue to honor that as a core part of my essence. At the same time, if we're overly developed as a sky or an earth person, then this is a time where we're often going to need to come into greater balance. And it might be incredibly uncomfortable in some ways to do that until we begin to connect to the heart. I see the heart, wholeheartedness, as the linking field that helps us become earth sky women when we activate our whole heart. So that then we can um, begin to develop the aspect of self that has gone a little bit neglected or a little bit missing that wants further cultivation and development. And in my case, you know, it has been more of the earth piece. It has been more of, for example, honoring 3D reality, honoring the need to get a planner, honoring the need to um, really structure my time more masterfully. Finally, having the desire and speaking to the universe and saying, I'm ready to um, allow the financial abundance that wants to come to me to come to me because I've been blocking it. And so it really is. And I would say to you too, if you've been blocking it, don't believe the scarcity speaking about money because this is a time where we can do some deep rewiring around what our relationship to money has been historically we can each do this personally and we can begin to ask the universe to show us where we can turn more towards financial abundance. I believe this is true for every human being. It is time for us, each human being, to thrive. Each human being, especially those who have been pushing it away or who have been in situations where um, there has not been access to um, resources, financial resources, it's time now for the floodgates to open and for us to experience abundance. Um, the, the world changers, the healers, the activists, these individuals, those of you listening, it's for us to be in the current of financial material abundance because we are the ones who are wanting to create a new world and we're needing all the resources at our disposal to do this. So for me, it's coming down and in it's also slowing down enough to savor time with my beloved and to take time once I can actually schedule and have a structure and a framework to, um, you know, I went to visit my friends and I harvested nettle on Saturday. 
and that was a wonderful experience. You know, we've got I've got gardening here with my roommates and household. That's been really potent. So in any case, it's for us to be cultivating those aspects of self that have been neglected. All right. So there's so much more about this Venus cycle. That's only the tip of the iceberg. But I would just say that in the next, um, over this coming week, and even through the time that Venus is with the sun, this is a time where you might want to journal, you might want to in, in another way, just look over what's happened in your life since November 1st, really to do an assessment of where is it that you have been courageous, courageously um, choosing to be in your authenticity, to, to be in relationships in a more genuine, authentic way. Where have you been cultivating um, greater intimacy? And again, with yourself or with others, uh, where have you been deepening your capacity for wholehearted connection with other humans? Um, and this has been the theme. And where have you done some, you know, who have you let go of? Who has dropped from your life? And also understand, hold that with tenderness, hold that with self-compassion and love because we never truly lose people. We don't. Whatever that love was, whatever that connection was, is to be deeply honored. It's to be understood that they are now a part of us and we are a part of them. And we're never fully disconnected from spirit unless that's something we absolutely must do. And I have had that experience. Um, once in the last um, two years, it is sometimes appropriate to completely sever a tie. Um, and but in most cases, when we lose people, just remember, um, well, even in those other cases, that it's not really. It's like we're really in a place right now where we're learning to navigate death in all of its dimensions. So, when a relationship dies, it's to grieve that, it's to honor that, and it's also to acknowledge. That, that all of the, the lessons, all of the, the essence of that human-to-human -human connection has been transmitted, that we are now part of each other. So yes, there's been a lot of loss of relationship. Sometimes I've heard from many people, especially during this experience with COVID, that people have been losing friendships over this, and that's sad. That's hard. And also, it can be a time where we are really forced to ask the question, are these my people? Are these the people I want to create a new world with? With, And let me just say, it's not always the people who are, you know, just like you. It may be that you're doing this really interesting um, coming together of different energies that are going to constellate together in a way that's very vital and dynamic, but there's a growth period or there's growing pains where you're learning to create this kind of cauldron together where you're creating something new that's quite possible. Um, but do whatever context you find yourself in, it's, it's for us now to, again, be showing up, being authentic, being honest, being transparent, being vulnerable, being emotionally vulnerable. And, and so that the more we can actually express ourselves from the soul with authenticity, with genuineness, with vulnerability, with being bonded with ourselves, being fully embodied, whatever that takes, you know, taking time for self-care so we're not split off. Um, the work we've been doing over the last month around personal relationships, bonds, intimacy, community work, like really deep, deep work, and there have been a ton of breakdowns and breakthroughs. 
that work has been absolutely essential. It has cleared the path in so many ways. We are really dropping into our hearts at a level that we have never experienced before collectively. And I know it doesn't look like that if you look at the news, but sense into what I'm saying and ask if you've seen this for yourself. Um, yes, there's been a lot of polarity and division, and yet I feel, see, and know that so many of us are expanding our capacity to love. We are cultivating greater and greater skillfulness at remaining connected to our bodies, connected to our, you know, staying presenced in the face of conflict, staying presenced and being able to become more skillful at sharing who we are and what our truth is. Um, we're learning to do that. And I will just, I, I actually, I, I think it's probably about time for me to complete here, but I'll just end by saying, just when you look at the last year and a half, really honor yourself, honor the ways that you have been learning to show up in context that would have been terrifying for you a year and a half ago. Honor the ways that you have, you know, for all the courage it's taken for people to let go of fundamental relationships and to grieve that, to work through that, and to um, open into new relationships. In many cases, the courage it takes as well to more deeply meet yourself, to turn around and become more and more present with the, the aspects of ourselves that, we, that are not pretty. The, um, you know, I will just say in this shelter in place time, it's gonna be true for many, many, many of us that our, we have had to face into the, the very, um, the ugliest sides of ourselves, the parts that we don't wanna look at. So the deepest work has been to face the shadow of what shows up in our closest relationships, beginning with ourselves, the places where we go into self-loathing or where we just find it so difficult to fully accept and claim ourselves. So we've been doing deep work. Now I'll just end by saying, you know, I said in my last podcast that not too long after the beginning of the Venus retrograde, my beloved uh, ended up deciding to go for two weeks um, to, he wanted to spend some time with his beloved dog who he had not seen. And because he was gonna be in a context that was a little compromised, then he was gonna camp out for two weeks and he was gonna quarantine. And, um, and so I was considering going with him and doing that. And I decided not to, because it felt so important to take time for myself. I've been in the cauldron with him, with two other housemates in a small house in the country. Um, they're, they're all three high risk. And so I really actually needed that space to kind of come home to myself. And so while I was in that space, part of what I came into a deeper awareness of because I was just really thinking I'm like oh my gosh like I know that in this metamorphic underworld phase that we're moving into it presents the opportunity to do the most fundamental profound transformation of my relationship dynamics and so I thought for a minute wow am I going to be able to do that with him gone you know I can see where it could help initially but what does that mean for our relationship? And I, I was very aware it could move in either direction. And so um, what I came to in this time where he was gone was, I'm like, what is my deepest commitment? And what I came to is that my deepest commitment is to experience the most profound transformation in my relationship with myself. 
the most profound commitment and devotional um, relationship with my own journey, my own story, my own being, so that in that I'm committed to continually returning to myself, continually coming home, continually coming back with deep presence and tenderness to myself um, in the context of relationship. And so that's what I've been doing. And I'm excited because I can feel the inflowing of aliveness, of sweetness. You know, I think when we come home to ourselves, there's a nectar, there's a sweetness to that, that is indescribable. That is, I think, what is the core of feminine essence is the experience of the nectar of the sweetness of coming home to ourselves, coming to our center, to our sweet center. And when I say sweet, I mean by that the most, the deepest, most fundamental nourishment that feeds all of our dreams, that feeds all of our visions, that then supports us in going outward into the world and delivering what it is our souls came here to deliver. So perhaps, you know, in this next week, you feel really at home with yourself already. This is not a challenge for you. And so you're going to be doing the work then to, and the play then, to celebrate and to come to ask the universe, how is it that I can come, what is it that I am to come into right relationship with in my life now? Is it me? Is it my beloved? Is it my relationship with the earth? Is it the relationship with my inner masculine? If I'm a woman, is it my relationship with my inner masculine? If I'm feminine, if I'm a man, you know, what is it? Is it to come in a right relationship with money? What is it that's wanting to be transformed in the realm of relationship and partnership for you? And to put that in the cauldron this week and to know that what is possible in this moment, in this metamorphic underworld Venus time, is absolutely beyond our imagining. And so, you know, for me, I'm excited because I recognize it. My ascendant is in Aries. I have Chiron and Aries with Eris in the first house. So for me, a big, huge part of my fundamental life learning is how to claim myself, how to stand in my I am essence. So for some of you, that may also be true because you're listening to me, so we resonate. Um, for others of you, of course, it might look different, but just understand personal, primary, intimate partnership, what that means, our capacity for that, our capacity to be wholly who we are, to be expressive of our soul essence, as it is now, as it's unfolding, to be deeply authentic and genuine and true. Our capacity to do that in the face of another human being who may or may not always love how that expresses, to choose to be true to ourselves and at the same time to understand the paradox that in doing that, we become more available to be a match to those individuals, to those other humans, to those other communities that truly long for us. That's the work. And when we come to the completion of a Venus cycle, it doesn't mean that that medicine that we've been distilling 
is, you know, that that, that journey is just for nothing. It's, it's another death. What it means is it's become a part of us now. So let's be asking, what is the medicine that has been, um, that has been constellating in me over the last year and a half that makes me ever more capable of wholehearted intimacy, love, connection? What is that? And how is it that in this week of massive shift and change and massive opportunity that I can anchor that most fundamental transformation within myself so that I come out the other side just ever more profoundly wholehearted, genuine, in our hearts, in our presence, coming from our essence, true to our core selves. What does that look and feel like? So spend some time this week paying attention to when you feel that way. I feel like me. I feel like I'm authentically who I am. I feel like I'm capable of really showing up generously in the world and sharing myself because I know who I am and I want to give and I want to receive and I want to be, I want to play with other people who I love and who I enjoy spending time with. I want to just be fully, fully, fully here. Um, this week is a wonderful time to anchor into that reality, to pay attention to where it shows up and to know that as we do, we are gathering our medicine for the coming years so that we can be, again, in the, the dream of Libra is peacemaking, ultimately. Peacemaking with ourselves, peacemaking with the different aspects of the self that might have been in battle. So let's just say now, let's plant a seed, let's anchor into this sensation of profound peacemaking on the inside, so that that radiates outward into our most intimate bonds. And then we're radiating peacemaking into the world around us. And peacemaking is not passive. Peacemaking is this fertile, vital, beautiful, biodiverse kind of activation. It's like a forest inside of my whole being, my psyche, my body, that every different part is alive and sentient and well and thriving and harmonious. And yeah, they might have territory disputes sometimes, but it's okay because this is a healthy ecosystem. My heart, my body, my soul comprise an ecosystem. It's healthy, it's vibrant, it's well. And because of that, it is able to be in relationship with another ecosystem. So here we are. And I'm just going to leave it at that and just wish you the most beautiful, the most peaceful, most alive coming week. And hopefully I didn't make it sound so big that it feels overwhelming to you, but more like an invitation and a welcoming of all of the aspects of yourself. And check out the free webinar that I'm gonna be doing with Kaylin on Friday, where we're gonna just, in a much more honed way, focus in on this Venus retrograde cycle, focus in on the new Gemini cycle that's coming up and some of the different Venus and Gemini. See, I didn't talk about Gemini. The new cycle is Venus and Gemini. We're gonna talk about the new upcoming cycle. It's so exciting. So I hope that you will join us. It's, I'm sorry, it's Thursday, the 28th, um, at 5 p.m. Pacific. And again, the link will be there for that free, um, that free workshop, that free webinar. And we hope you can make it. And I hope you have a beautiful, beautiful week until next time.